Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran, she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed that the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple whom had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for until they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stood there and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been laying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out. Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher, don't cling to me. Jesus said, For I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. <clears throat> All right. Mary thinks Jesus is the gardener. Isn't that cool? Man, happy Easter, everyone. Um, I was super excited about being here, so, uh, and it's warmer than I expected, so that's fun. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming. It's so good to be able to celebrate Easter together. Um, so Daniel just read for us uh, from John 20, verses 1 through 18. We're going to really focus in on Mary Magdalene as she sits there by the tomb. And, and Jesus makes this appearance to her, and she uh, uh, thinks he's the gardener, okay? Which um, we'll see, I think, is uh, a, a very wonderful uh, and, and probably intentional on Jesus' part mistake for her to make. Um, but I want to start just by thinking a little bit about Easter and our experiences uh, with Easter. Um, if, 
if you, hold on, I got sheets mixed up here. Katie told me to fix my sheets before I did this and I didn't. No, never. Um, if you've, so if you've ever been to uh, church on Easter, you know that it's typically a time where we, we put on our best, right? It's a time to really do it up, uh, to be your most presentable. If you happen to grow up in church, maybe you wore, you know, your Sunday best uh, every, every other day or every other Sunday. But on Easter, you break out that prettiest dress, the fanciest suit and tie. Some of us probably have worn nice big hats with feathers in them, different colors and all that sort of thing. Uh, it's the time to, to really look your best. Whatever a church normally does for a Sunday service, they need to top that on Easter. The pastor spends weeks preparing his best sermon. The worship team puts their best musicians and best singers up front. The welcome team and the volunteers are so happy and energetic. They're, they have bigger smiles than you ever thought were for, or thought was possible for, for an adult human. We put on these special events for kids like egg hunts. Uh, we hand out gifts to first-time guests. Easter is, is about putting your best on, okay? It's, it's about bigger and better. That's always been my experience in the church on Easter. It seems to be a time for flash and extravagance, for excellence. It's a time to be remarkable. And it makes sense that this would be the case. After all, if, if we believe the resurrection is true, that Jesus really did die and was raised from the grave, then Easter is the time where we celebrate arguably what's the most important uh, uh, event in history. But as we read this story of Mary uh, sitting by the tomb, uh, of Jesus' resurrection, I guess we could, could call it the first Easter. As we read this story, what strikes me about this scene is that it was rather unremarkable. When Jesus first showed up after, after raising from the dead, there was no flashiness, no extravagance, no big show or massive crowd, no grand attraction. It was simple, it was quiet, and it was certainly unremarkable. In other words, compared to our modern church experience, Jesus would put on a pretty lame Easter service. But if you spent much time you know, around me, um, you know that one of the things I love about Jesus is he always finds a way to kind of shatter our expectations of him the thoughts and ideas uh, that we have about him. He never seems to fit into our religious or cultural or conceptual boxes that we create for him. And this isn't because he wants to confuse us or frustrate us, but simply because what we see here with his interaction with Mary, he wants a relationship with us. And you can have a relationship with a real, living, complex person. You can't have a relationship with this unmoving, one-dimensional figure who simply fits into whatever box we try to fit him into. So what I think it comes down to is that Jesus is far more concerned about the journey we go on with him rather than the ideas that we hold about him. If we hold tightly to our ideas, he'll ultimately uh, uh, mess those up whenever we actually spend time with him or reading about him. But if we go on a journey with him, whether through personal experience, reading scripture, community with one another. As we go on this journey, we will draw closer and closer to him as a person. And I think that this Easter story is a big, big part of that journey. 
So as we look at the first Easter, the seemingly unremarkable appearance that Jesus makes, I just pray that whatever ideas that we hold about Jesus or the resurrection, about Easter, whatever thoughts we have about his life and the significance of this day and what it looks like to follow him, that we would just allow those expectations to be shattered if necessary. Okay, that we would simply take one step closer to Jesus as we reimagine Easter today. So uh, imagine this scene, um, Mary, you know, we have Mary, this imperfect and insignificant woman. I don't know if you know anything about Mary Magdalene. Um, she, you know, she's sitting alone by this empty tomb in a garden. She's devastated because she thinks that uh, someone has come in and taken the body of Jesus. And we don't actually know much about this woman. There's really only two things that we know for sure because they're actually written down about her, but there's a lot of assumptions that have been made over the years. Uh, but let me tell you the, the two things that we can know for sure. When, we, when Mary first met Jesus, she was suffering from some sort of um, significant spiritual oppression that had social implications for her too. Um, it caused her to be ostracized and marginalized by society. The Gospel of Luke says that uh, throughout his, his journey with Mary, Jesus cast out seven demons from her. Okay, and another story, uh, this guy, this religious leader named Simon calls her a sinner and, uh, in front of her and says, why would you hang out with someone like this to Jesus? There are, there are a couple stories throughout the uh, four Gospels where Jesus engages with and, and loves on an unnamed woman who's in prostitution. And over the years, we've attributed those stories to Mary. But there's actually nothing in the Bible that says that that is Mary. Um, however, it, it's a good picture of probably some of the things or, or the ways that Mary would have been viewed by society. If that's not her, in fact. But what we do know is that upon meeting Jesus, Mary experienced a radical transformation. She underwent some significant personal and spiritual and relational healing. She found uh, a purpose in life. She found a community of people who would love her and accept her instead of push her away like everyone else had. So that's the first thing we know. Mary, Mary had uh, a big problem when she met Jesus and Jesus helped her overcome that. The second thing we know is that Mary was absolutely crazy about Jesus. She loved him. She was with him wherever he went, learning from him, serving people alongside him uh, and the other men and women who followed him. Mary was one of three women who stood by the cross as Jesus died when all the men and the other women had ran away. Mary was the only one here standing by his tomb when his body had disappeared. Mary loved Jesus. So we have Mary, this broken, insignificant, by all definitions of the word, untouchable woman, sitting alone, weeping in a garden by an empty tomb. And this is where Jesus shows up. This is where Jesus makes his first appearance after the resurrection. There's no miraculous reveal, no bright lights, no glorious sparkle. Uh, the 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 clouds don't open up with trumpets playing and choirs singing. I mean, we do a lot more in our lives for a lot less, right? We have a lot more show and a lot more extravagance for a lot less significant things. Jesus doesn't float down from the clouds into Jerusalem, bust through the doors of the temple, confront the people who, who killed him. Uh, he doesn't gather a big crowd of people together and explain what all this means. He just shows up to be with Mary, who's alone crying, weeping in this garden. 
And the craziest thing about this story, it blows my mind every time. The craziest thing is that Mary doesn't even recognize who he is. She thinks he's the gardener. Which, like I said, is the perfect mistake to make. And I believe it's actually exactly what Jesus wanted her to think. That he was the gardener. Think about it. If if Mary thought Jesus was the gardener, it probably means that he wasn't very presentable at that moment. He certainly didn't have his Easter best on, right? Um, If you walked into a church service, uh, maybe not this one, but but another church service this morning, and someone thought uh, that you were the gardener, you'd probably have reason to be a little insulted. Okay, gardeners are, are... they're dirty. They're, they're, they're messy. They got dirt under their fingernails and on their knees. Last summer, I actually would work in this garden here once a week for, for a few hours. And every week, every week after I'd come home, I'd be a mess, an absolute mess. I'd have dirt and mud everywhere. I'd find bugs in my socks. And I don't know if any of you have done, she know, my wife knows because I'd come home to her and I would have to go straight in the shower. Um, and I don't know, I'm sure all of you have done some sort of gardening or yard work, but the worst part about it for me was I had dirt under my fingernails and I could never get it all out. There would, all, there would always be dirt under my fingernails. So Jesus, with dirt from his own tomb, on his knees and under his fingernails, climbs out of the tomb and walks up to Mary and he's, he's quiet and he's unassuming. He doesn't, he doesn't really say anything. He just asks a question. He says, who are you looking for? Why are you crying? And of course, Jesus knows exactly who he's looking for and exactly why she's crying. But he approaches her with this question. He doesn't walk up to her and say, hey, Mary, snap out of it. It's me. It's me. I'm here. Okay. He doesn't uh, uh, criticize her for not understanding that this resurrection was actually what he had been talking about all along. He doesn't try to wow her or amaze her with some show. He gently and humbly meets her where she is at. He stands by her side. He sits with her as she's mourning in this garden. And by approaching her in this unassuming and quiet way, he allows her to mistake him for someone else. Not only someone else, but a messy, poor, unpresentable gardener. But you see, a gardener is, is actually the perfect way to describe Jesus. It's the perfect image to help us understand the work that God has been doing all along. Gardening is a wonderful illustration, not only for what Jesus did in the life of Mary, but for what he is doing in that very moment as he comes by her side in the garden. It is what he does in the lives of everyone whom he encounters. It describes what he's doing in your life, in my life. It describes what he wants to do in our communities, in the lives of our family members and our neighbors. And it describes what he is doing in the whole world around us. You see, a gardener takes dirt, mud, bugs, and he brings forth flowers, vegetables, fruit. A gardener takes ugliness and messiness and he creates something beautiful. He enters into the disorder of an unkempt land and he brings order. He takes dirt, what most of us would consider to be worthless, something that we don't want around us, and he creates something valuable, 
something that has worth. A gardener works through all the weeds and the rocks, things that prevent life and growth, and he provides space for flourishing. A good gardener can take land that has been corrupted by pollution and toxins, land that has been sapped of all its life and nutrients, and he can restore it. He can cultivate it. I don't know if you, if you mapped your location to here, but you'll see on the Google Maps, it says Enzo Albums. I don't know what that is, but there was a building here not long ago on this property. And, and I, I know that because I would be kind of tilling the land here in between plantings and I would find these rusty old pipes and just kind of crazy stuff in, in the soil. Uh, and, and Brenna, Brenna's the, the woman who, who runs this farm. She told me that it took her a couple of years to actually make this uh, able to grow anything. When she got here, it was all hard clay, rock, uh, just junk all over. It took time to cultivate and, and take this place that, that was, you know, just a kind of forsaken property by the side of the expressway and create something that could sustain life and bring forth something valuable and beautiful. That's what a gardener does. And I cannot think of a better way to describe Jesus than a gardener. Let's just think about Mary's life. Whatever she was dealing with before she met Jesus, whatever spiritual oppression, brokenness, relational depravity, and again, we don't know what that was, but it was something that made no one else want to be around her. No one else wanted to associate with her, especially the religious people. Mary was, she was dirty. She was messy. She was uh, uh, in disorder and, and, and just, if, in some people's minds, she was worthless. But Jesus stepped into all of that. He healed her. He restored her. He loved and cared for her. And he drew out the value and the beauty in her. And that's another thing that amazes me about Jesus is that he sees the beauty in things that we see as broken. He sees the value in things that we see as worthless, just like a gardener who looks at dirt, mud, bugs, and worms, and he doesn't see them as ugly or worthless. He sees the beauty and the value that they can produce. Okay, I was just preparing my garden in our yard uh, after a long winter, and I can't tell you how I've never been so excited to see earthworms and knowing that there is, there is potential in this soil that I'm working right now. Uh, I used to not really care for them that much and not want to get close to bugs and dirt. But because I know what the, the soil can produce, I'm, I'm excited when I find this worm and I'll pick it up and I'll move it. And, you know, it's, it's an exciting thing. Gardeners see the value in things that we see as worthless. And this perfectly describes Jesus. He didn't come to earth because he thought it was ugly. He didn't step into people's lives and walk through them uh, walk through their lives with pain or through that um, walk with them. I'm sorry, through pain and sorrow because he thought our pain and sorrow was worthless. He didn't die on the cross because he hated what he saw in us. Not at all. That's not what Jesus did. He came because he saw the beauty in the world that he created. He stepped into people's lives because he saw the value in them when no one else in the world did. He died on the cross because he knew that through his resurrection, he could cultivate something new and beautiful and valuable in every single one of us. Nothing in your life, nothing in your neighbor's life, nothing in this world is too broken, too messy, too ugly for Jesus to step in 
to bring restoration, to bring beauty, and to bring life. I came across this quote a couple days ago as I was preparing for this message, and I just thought it was real fitting. Let me read it to you. It says, Jesus is not a conductor punching tickets for a train ride to heaven. Jesus is not a lawyer getting us out of a legal jam with God. Jesus is not a banker loaning out his righteousness until we pay him back with good works. Jesus is a gardener. Jesus is a gardener who cultivates life in all who come to him. Jesus is a gardener. That is what Jesus is all about. That is what the resurrection is all about. That is what Easter is all about. Pain to healing, brokenness to wholeness, ugliness to beauty, death to life. This is why we celebrate Easter. Easter is not about putting your best foot forward. It's not about getting yourself all cleaned up and presentable. And I'm not talking about getting dressed up. I love to get dressed up. I didn't today, but I have in past Easter's and for things that are not important. I love getting dressed up. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about something deeper. I'm talking about how we approach God. And you may not think this, but I guarantee your neighbors around you think this. And some of us here might think this, that we need to get it all together. God expects us to clean ourselves up. He expects us to to be our best selves. He expects us to put on a big show with lights and smoke and, and all this dazzle. But that's not true. In fact, Easter and the resurrection is the exact opposite of all that. Easter is about Jesus stepping into the messiest, ugliest, most painful, most broken, most hidden parts of our lives. And like a gardener who works with the grime and the mud and the dirt and the weeds, Jesus wants to step into all of that and bring forth something beautiful as we go on the journey with him. Jesus wants to work a resurrection in our lives, in our relationships, in our communities, and in the world. So let's praise him. God, I just uh, thank you so much that you look down on this world, you look down on the lives of us living here, and you didn't see the ugliness, you didn't see the brokenness, you didn't see the, the pain and the sorrow and, and turn away, but you saw those things and you saw, also saw the beauty and the value and the worth that was buried underneath those things, the things that you could bring forth by coming into this world, by working in our lives, in the brokenness of our lives and working through the pain, the weeds and the rocks and the dirt and the mud and the grime, everything that we see as worthless and try to avoid, you step into that. You step into that and you bring forth something beautiful, something valuable. God, you want to do that in every single one of our lives, every single day. And you want to do that through us. You send us out as little gardeners into the lives of those around us, God. I pray that we wouldn't recoil from the ugliness and the dirtiness that we see around us. That we would step into that and that we would join you in your work of cultivation. That we would join you in your work of restoration. And that we would join you in your work of resurrection. 
I pray that you do a resurrection in us today, God. In Jesus' name.